And it is time for Choke Points, brought to you by Actins, Atkins, Actins. 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 Yeah, there you go. There I got it. You got it. Quality roofing. You don't have to worry about getting an enhanced driver's license or an ID card to fly anytime soon. The Real ID Act has been pushed back. Another two years. Chris is here with what that means for you. Yeah, the Real ID Act was passed in 2005, if you can believe it, to make flying safer. It was passed in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks of 9-11. It was supposed to go into effect in 2008, but states were given an opportunity to extend that deadline until 20, 2009, then 2011. The deadline was pushed back to 2013. The Department of Homeland Security kept pushing the date as states continued to struggle with complying with the rules. And then came the pandemic and another extension to May of 2023. And here we are again today with another pushback until May of 2025. Rob Weeman is with the Washington Department of Transportation, excuse me, the Washington Department of Licensing. This latest extension uh was deemed necessary by DHS uh, in part to address the lingering impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Primarily because licensing offices had to close during the pandemic and people didn't have the ability to go in and get updated IDs. Over the past couple of years, state driver's licensing agencies, including ours, have been having to work through backlogs created by the pandemic. So this just provides a little bit more time for both residents and agencies to catch up. Washington's regular driver's licenses and ID cards are not valid as federal ID under the Real ID Act because our state does not require proof of legal residency to get one. As a sanctuary state, Washington does not require the information the federal government believes it's necessary as a proof of identification. Nationwide, it's estimated that only 43% of IDs are compliant right now. And that's where the Washington Enhanced Driver's License comes in. You need to go into a DOL office to get one. You need an appointment. You can't do it online. And you need a lot more documentation to get one. But now you have another two years to do it. Even after the deadline passes, standard licenses and IDs will still be good for most everyday purposes, such as driving. Uh, or accessing health services, just not for domestic air travel. And that's the biggie. You're going to need this enhanced ID in order to fly starting in 2025. And of course, you also need it to access some government buildings, including military bases and perhaps uh, some federal federal buildings as well. Now, you don't need to get one if you have already another beefed up form of ID. U.S. passport or a passport card, uh, a foreign passport if you happen to have one. Uh, military ID, permanent resident card, a tribal ID or a border crossing card. Weeman says you shouldn't wait until the last minute to get one. I know two years sounds like an awful long time, but you really don't want to consider uh, scrambling to get one at the last minute when everybody else in the state is scrambling to get one. Weeman kind of guesses that most of us are in the situation where we don't have that enhanced one and may not have a passport or passport card. So we're going to have to get this eventually, but I mean, it's it's going to be 20 years yeah. since this law was passed before yeah. it's supposed supposed to go into effect now will it may will it be may of 2025 i mean considering our track record i i don't know i'll believe it when i yeah, see me, it me too i mean i was all excited i was at the airport over the weekend all sorts of signs for make sure you get your real id make sure you I saw him in montana saw him here i've seen him all over yeah got another two years no <laughs> all right chris thank you much 
Seattle's Morning News. Good morning. I'm Colleen O'Brien. In for Dave Ross is Travis Mayfield. Of course, Sully along for the ride as well. You guys know I love me some Carter Subaru. Been there since the start in my uh, at Cairo in 2014. And there's a big reason for that because this local family-owned company is constantly giving back to the community. And a big way Carter Subaru does this is through Holiday Magic, our fundraiser for Treehouse for Foster Kids. We have Jen Moran. She's the executive manager for Carter Seattle with us. And uh, you know, the big announcement this year, more being given to Treehouse thanks to Carter Seattle, Jen. Absolutely. We uh, have Treehouse coming back as our Share the Love partner, and uh, we're excited to, again, continue raising awareness around the organization and obviously uh, raising some money as well. Yeah. For, for 18 years, Carter Seattle and Carter Subaru has been participating in Holiday Magic and giving to Treehouse, contributing more than What? Does that blow your mind when you hear that number? Yeah, it does. And and you know, you sit there and and while that's a that's a great amount of money, there's still a lot of work to be done, a lot of support that they need. You know, they have a huge focus on increasing the graduation rate, which they've done a tremendous job. I know that that you guys speak with the the folks over there at Treehouse and I mean the work that they do with these these young people that that really don't stand a chance at one point in their life and and coming in and just giving them the support and the especially the educational support that they do you know five hundred thousand dollars is is great but we, we still have a lot of work to do I love that you work in the community like this. It's beautiful. We were talking off the mic about how like you're like making connections too, because it's not just like here's your money and we walk away from it. Like you're like, hey, meet this person and let's do this. And like, I, what what is it that? Why is this on your heart? Like, why do you love this so much? Yeah, you know, uh, being in business is an absolute privilege, right? It's 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 something that that we get to do and and we all benefit from being in business. Well, part of that is an obligation to support your community. And we have a lot of partners that believe that same thing. And and two in particular with the University of Washington Women's Athletics and the Seattle Storm, they've embraced this partnership as well. And with them, we donate $10,000 with each organization to Treehouse and with that partnership. So it's pretty it's pretty cool to see organizations really diving in and connecting with who our other partners are and you know with with causes that really really matter. And you heard Jen say plant trees, and that's because we just planted trees in the mountains to sound greenway because that's yet another partner for Carter Subaru. And uh, it's a tree planted for every test drive. So, Jen, you can't even keep all of your community. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> because there are so many, and that's what makes Carter Subaru so great. Uh, that that partnership has been going on since 2008, and I think we're close to 200,000 trees, if not a little bit over that, that we've planted. And the Seattle Storm, they've been a partner of the greenway as well, and we had a long long time trees for threes oh. and we would plant trees every time they made a three pointer which yeah. is a lot yes. yeah i don't know how yeah. many they'll still you know, uh, yeah, well, you know, with have Sue, without uh, Sue, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I, again, just talking to you just warms my heart. It makes me feel so good. Is there something that you're really, that you've done in the past that you're looking forward to doing again? Or like, is there a moment that you're just like, that was one of those moments that I'm just going to kind of hold in my heart when it comes to Treehouse that you were able to do or see? I mean, uh, when I've been there, like, I just like, oh, that story's beautiful. Or talking to this person, this person's beautiful. Like, it's just, I, I feel like it's a whole organization just 
full of amazing stories that I imagine and, and they that's touched just you it. too. Yeah. It's all about the stories. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, the kids that, that just have, have been put in this impossible situation and that still manage to persevere and come out of this in a way that is just mind blowing to anyone. You know, they're they're going from foster home to foster home. During that time, they're switching schools. They're they're living out of a, a plastic bag, and mm-hmm. and it just when you hear the stories that 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 they're graduating from high school or they're continuing on to college, and they have support around them, it's that's the it, it, it's not a moment. It's just the constant kid after kid after kid after family after kid is a success. Yeah, thanks to your support. Yeah, I was just at the the treehouse store, and they said at and any given time, there's 8,000 foster youth in mm-hmm. our state. And the store is where they can go up to three times a year to pick 20 items. Because as you said, they're moving houses often and they don't get to bring everything with them. No. So they need new clothes or they need new room decor to feel like they're living a childhood or teen experience like any other peer. So uh, the Subaru Share the Love event happening right now. Any new Subaru bought, $250 is going to go to one of six charities. That includes Treehouse. So you can get a new Subaru. I would recommend the ascent i really really love it and give to charity you can also go to mynorthwest.com slash holiday magic and learn how to donate as well and support treehouse and also support carter subaru jen thank you so much thank you Seattle's Morning News. Good morning. I'm Colleen O'Brien, along with Travis Mayfield, who's in for Dave Ross and Chris Sullivan. Matthew Gardner, chief economist for Windermere, is here for our monthly chat to check on how the economy is doing. I First, of course, we can't forget to mention uh, the housing market. You are uh, employed by Windermere. I've noticed... This is sort of my layman interpretation of what happens is is there was a slowdown, basically, and houses weren't going anywhere. Prices weren't going anywhere. Everybody was afraid of inflation and interest rates. But it seems to be making a turnaround now. A little bit. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's Well, we actually started seeing a slowdown early part of the year. What happened then? Well, we started seeing mortgage rates go parabolic, yeah. in essence, screaming higher. And so a lot of people kind of jumped in, uh, grabbed what they could, which was very little that was out there. Prices were still skyrocketing. They peaked in April, May time. But because mortgage rates have almost doubled, yeah. uh, that has pulled back significantly. Now, if you look at the, the numbers for, for November, uh, classic slowdown, getting in towards the winter, houses come off the market. And so we've seen that across the board. They're down 15 to 17% across the region. Uh, however, that might sound a good thing, maybe if you're a home seller, there's less supply out there. But if you compare it to year over year, in King County, it's up 213%. So still, really. So a lot of houses yeah. uh, are out there, relatively speaking, to where we were, which was an all-time low uh, a year ago. So the market has certainly shifted. Now, has it changed to a home uh, buyer's market, as people, people would, certainly home buyers would like to say. I don't think so. Um, but we have seen some softening, and I do expect that to continue. The trouble is, I just don't see where we're going to have an explosion of homes coming on the market next spring. And why is that? Well, think about it. Uh, if you, like myself, I, I refinanced my home, what, twice through COVID. We have got a load of us out there sat on mortgage rates below 3%. Mm-hmm. Now we're up around 65 which actually is a half-decent number compared to where we've been the last few weeks. But if you don't have to move, my argument would be, 
well, who's going to? And lose that never been seen before, likely never seen again mortgage rate. Yeah. Even if it's just in state, people moving out of state, of course, they're going to have an easier time. But not many people are moving out of this region. No, they're not. I mean, I like to stay they're here. They're all coming in. And, and they really are coming yeah. in. In fact, California lost population last year, which oh. is something the Western United States tends to always see more people uh, year over year. Mm. And that's just the way it's always been. Well, California, they're leaving. And they're leaving for a couple of reasons. One, taxes. I'll divide that into two. Income taxes and property taxes. Mm. But secondarily, it's climate. Mm. And climate change. Think about all the all forest the fires, fires going on. Wildfires yeah. going on. And so what they're doing, they're jumping on I-5 and they're hoofing north. <laughs> a few are staying in Oregon, but an awful lot are coming into Washington State and here into Seattle. Yeah. And quite frankly, they still think our housing prices are cheap. Compared to compared California. To certainly Northern That's California. scary. And it really is. Yeah. So we are still seeing people coming here, absolutely. But in terms of home prices, I do expect that to continue softening. Prices still up year over year, but in the low single digits now. Um, we will probably turn negative uh, over the next few months. And it's going to get probably the worst is going to be at that April, May time, which is when we saw pricing peak. However, does it mean a collapse in the housing market? No, it does not. Mm. One, we're going to actually have a situation whereby there's still relatively limited supply. That doesn't push prices down further. Affordability certainly does. And mortgage rates, I think they've peaked. They're going to slowly come down, maybe into the very high fives by this time next year. Mm -hmm. So it's still going to be more expensive. um, But we will see a bit of a correction. Worst comes to worst. You think about how bad some people might want it to be or think it's going to be. Well, even if we saw from today a 20% price drop across the board, that would take home prices in our region back to where we were in mid-2020. Okay. So it's not as if uh, we're, we're collapsing. And that's a, I do not believe that will be the case. I think yeah. we're going to see prices correct in the low to mid-single digits. Yeah. But it, it could be a lot worse. But at some point, we could never continue the way we were. Uh, yeah, certainly not. It, it worries me for the future. What about uh, home building? Are, are they getting started? On, I know it's winter and construction slows down during the pandemic. It was the prices of materials, but I don't see a lot of construction out there. And you won't uh, for reasons that, that you already mentioned, and that is the supply chain issues are still in place. Lumber is still expensive. Aluminum, copper, steel, all these materials. Uh, even PVC pipe is expensive. Wow. That tracks oil prices. And so we're not going to but more importantly, and certainly around the Seattle area, we've run out of land. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that pushes up land prices considerably. And ultimately, builders, when they can find out that they have found a spot they can build on, they can build a home, they're building to the luxury end of the market. Right. Not where the demand is. More bang for their buck. Yeah. Exactly. Where they can make a margin. Um, Whereas all the demand, a lot of the demand, is in that first-time buyer section. And uh, and that section of the market, quite frankly, is woefully underserved. Now, we need to build a lot more entry-level housing, but it's remarkably difficult for builders to make financial sense out of doing that. Yeah, or move into an already established neighborhood to build duplexes or triplexes, which, you know, most people don't want in their neighborhood. You know, you got the NIMBYs. Do you ever, uh, do you ever I imagine, because I do, certainly when I hear, you know, I'm in a house and my family's secure and, and we're so lucky in that way. And I, I talk to you and all of these barriers to getting a roof over a family's head. Who has the solution? Where is it going to come from? Well, we know we're not going to make any more land. Um, we, we are constrained by water, by mountains, point of fact. So we're not going to increase the urban growth boundaries, which were set up back in the early 1990s to define where you could and could not build. So we really need to look at zoning, as you mentioned. Mm. I mean, zoning was created here in Washington State in the, what, the late 1920s, early 1930s, probably made sense through the 70s. 
doesn't right. make sense now. They could have never imagined today's world. Well, not even close to not it. Not even. And so because of that, what happens is that, and Seattle is a good example, over 70% of residential land is owned single family. But people like yourself, and <laughs> I would say like myself, will say, well, hang on, no, 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 I, I like what we've got. I think if you start building a, a couple of duplexes or, or a triplex, that's going to reduce the value of my home. Mm. That in reality, is inaccurate. Hmm. In fact, there's been academic papers written for decades uh, which suggest that the opposite happens. It can increase economic vitality, these kinds of things. Yeah. So uh, it can be done, but the trouble is people are very concerned, and they should be, because for well, a, almost 97% of us, buying a home will be the most expensive thing we ever buy in our lives. And we want to Other protect kids, that investment. Right? Oh, kids, right? Oh, not the truth. So it, it really is a situation where we need to look hard uh -huh. at that workforce housing. There's people who are out there, they're working, they're making 80 to 120% of median income. Where can they afford to live? Mm -hmm. Certainly not close to where they work. And yet people do want to buy homes. Yeah. It's the way a vast majority It's the American is. dream. Yeah, and it White really is. White fence, all of that. Yeah, yeah it's, and people it's goals. You think it's going to be the opposite. We're going to be permanent renters and these younger generations, millennials and Gen Z and what have you. They're going to be so migratory. They're going to fly all over the place working. But no, it's where most American households make their wealth. Yeah. is in housing. Mm. So uh, we need to build a lot more of it. Um, I don't want us to go down the road that we've seen in California. Matthew Gardner, Chief Economist at Windermere. We always appreciate your advice. Good visiting with you again. That was such a nice tribute, Travis. I will miss her. I know. She was problematic, but I, was, I will miss her. I she did a lot of great things. That she was like my first TV mom. Yeah. Through Look Who's Talking and Parent Trap and all of that. So, yeah, it's sad to see someone go so soon. Your daily dose of kindness is brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. Having just recovered from our major power outage last week when tens of thousands of us were in the dark and freezing cold, it's easy to relate when tens of thousands of residents in Moore County, North Carolina, haven't had power since Saturday. Two substations were targeted and shot at by one or more people. They haven't been caught. But that's where Ann Peterson comes in. She's the only one in her neighborhood with a generator. So... Instead of hungering down, closing the shades and staying warm, she opened up her home and kitchen to neighbors. I do have a bunch of people in my kitchen. I have my neighbors from across the street who don't have a generator who have had every meal here, I think, with me the last few days. And then my friend Joan is here from Pinehurst. She said the invite was a no-brainer. I have access right now to heat and food and I'm happy and willing to share. And these are people who are... Um, they're my team and, and they've taken care of me when I've had a rough time. She's doing all she can, even providing food storage to her neighbors so not all the food goes to waste as they await power. Nobody has the ability to keep their food from spoiling. So I've had people bring things from their refrigerator and their freezer. So even in the dark, the light of kindness abounds in North Carolina. Just be kind. Yes. It's beautiful. It's easy. Absolutely. <laughs> and now from the G and Ursula show, weekdays 9 to noon here on Cairo News Radio, G Scott, who is already fired up in the studio this morning. Oh, you poor thing. Good morning. <laughs> we love it. Okay, yeah. well, let's start with, uh, we have a, we have a little bit of beefing to do. Like, mm -hmm. uh, Oh, we got beef? Yeah, the online auction. Where's the beef? Remember that commercial? Okay, go ahead. Where's the beef? <laughs> Colleen, Colleen has been watching this all morning, kind of tracking the back and forth. Where do we stand right now? Uh, okay. okay, so let's explain. So it's holiday magic. We're uh -huh. raising money this week for 
for Treehouse for foster kids. So this is all in good fun. And there are so many ways to donate. We've been talking about them all week here on Cairo Radio. Well, the last two days, I guess. Not all week. One of them is our online auction. And we can get you that link in a moment. But some of them include, uh, you know, you can get club level Seahawks tickets mm. plus uh, 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 sideline passes for the before the game and a Geno Smith football signed by Geno. Hey. So there's some great auction items. One of the items is a sit-in on the show of your choice. You can come and visit with Seattle's Morning News during the show with the G and Ursula show. I don't know why Dory's not on there, but John and Curly and Sherry Elliker, they're on there. You can go see their show. You can see Spike. I think it's because Dory's... He's doing like a, a grand fishing trip with Tom Nell. It's like $4,000, the auction. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But that said, I looked at this morning. We were at like $125 to sit in with our show. And right. you guys are like already at, let's see, 325 Oh, wow. And I'm going, what's going on here? So now I'm, I want to have like a back and forth back and, and see and who forth. can win this. Right, I right, think right. with the godfather of radio, Dave Ross, we ought to be the highest bid. <laughs> I, you know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually sell your show Ooh. over mine. What? Okay, so you just, like, yeah, the competition yeah, is still flat yeah, on its I'm, face. I, and here's why. The thing is, is that you're going you're gonna to come in and you have the opportunity to sit with either the Gene Arthur show or you can sit in with you guys here in the morning. And I'm thinking... You can get me like I'm always I'm kind of in your face and even if I'm not in your face, you're gonna get excited me like yeah I know G. But then, do you know how rare it is to get the opportunity to sit down with the Godfather of Radio Dave Ross? That's what I'm saying. I think that, and then you get a picture with them and all that mm. good stuff. I think that would be special. Plus, if you think about it, you get Dave Ross, Colleen O'Brien, Chris Sullivan. And you already get G. Scott at 745 anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's two for the price of one if you go for hours. So, nah. yeah, you got to go to MyNorthwest.com slash Holiday Magic to find all of these auctions. But I want to see that. We're at 230 now to sit in okay. with Seattle's Morning News. I want to see that number get up there. But, <laughs> but hmm? if you want three hours of nonstop <laughs> adrenaline and just nonstop yeah. energy and you're like... Okay, I can take it. I can take it. And I, I warn you, you need at least two to three cups of Joe to come and hang out <laughs> yeah. with Jer- Ursula and I. Then you can do that, too. And Ursula is like the godmother of radio, right? Yes, she so is. So warm and so inviting. You get to hear that laugh yes. in real time. So maybe we should just beat John and Sherry? Yeah. Yeah. Should yeah. we link up and we should try to defeat John and right, Sherry for right. bidding? Okay. So, so so where can they find the link at for for this, this deal? MyNorthwest.com want... slash Holiday Magic. Okay. I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um. But there's great stuff. I mean, we've got two Seahawks packages. We've got that fishing trip with Dory Monson. We've got a Bellevue vacation where you're going to go to a steakhouse. I mean, really nice stuff. Is that, is, that's really all you can do in Bellevue is go to a steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, I can't afford Louis Vuitton. Yeah, so. you, you need to go to Louis Vuitton. Or get a good steak. Travis, what's up, man? I also, this story I want to pick your brain about, we only have a minute or so, but this, the uh, Indonesia is making it illegal for sex outside of marriage or even people to shack up. Really? Yes. Yes. That's interesting. I, you, you know, um, 
first of all, I'm glad to live in the United States of America. Yes. That's number one. Uh, number two, you know, I, oftentimes, Travis, people always text me and they're saying, it's against my religion for this or it's against my religion for that or it's in the Bible. It says this. You know what's interesting? How people pick and choose what's against yeah. their religion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, I've been doing this show for three years. You know I ain't got one text. Not one text that says, G. Scott, it is against my religion to have sex before marriage. <laughs> I haven't had that once yet. Why is that? That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I don't know. You pick and choose yeah. what you want to look at in the Bible. This is this is uh, unfortunate. And the last thing I'll leave with this. Um Everybody's always talking about religion and, and, and when it comes to that. But I always say, what would Jesus do? Right. So Jesus wouldn't go ahead and cast a stone at those that don't do abide by whatever you think is law and rule. So what's going on in Indonesia? I think it's very sad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just I just think that everybody, for some reason, over the we have a history of you should do things like this. And if you don't do it like this, this is what's going to be your consequences. Mm-hmm. And everybody has their this. Right. Yeah. But the truth is, is there's Eight billion people on the planet. Can't we just all just be people and be encouraged to live here and just be who we are? And love. I and mean, love. you said it your best. What would Jesus? Jesus loved. Love. Loved. That's it. That's it. End of sentence. Hung period. out with the sinners and yep. the sick. Period. Sit. Love y'all. G. Scott, 9 to noon here on Cairo News Radio. Tuesday mornings, we go live to Washington, D.C., and we talk to New York Times investigative reporter David Farenhold. David, good morning. Morning. All right. Let's start in Georgia. Um, You know, lots of folks are like, ah, the Democrats have the majority. Does this Senate race really mean anything? But Democrats say, no, absolutely. It means something if we can reelect Raphael Warnock, the Democratic Senate senator there. What a big deal is this uh, runoff happening in Georgia? It's a big deal. As you said, the Democrats will control the Senate in the next Congress. But the, whether it's 51 votes or 50, it makes a difference logistically in that, like, now you need uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris, to come to the Capitol every time you take any sort of vote to break the tie. She's a busy person that keeps her in D.C. and keeps the Senate sort of, uh, you know, backlogged. If you have 51 votes, you don't need that. And it sounds also like would be able to give them. Go ahead. You could, also, you could also give Democrats a majority in a lot of Senate committees. So committees would move a lot faster. You know, obviously the Republicans are going to have the House. Not a huge amount of legislating is going to get done, but they will be. It'll be a lot easier to confirm judicial nominees and things like that if they have fifty-one versus fifty. Yeah, the judicial nominees will be a very big deal for the Biden administration the, the next two years or so. What's left though for lame duck Congress to accomplish? Oh my God, a lot. Uh, not <laughs> yeah. only there's a bill, a huge amount. There's a bill that would would uh, make same-sex marriage legal around the country. There's a, a new thing that was announced yesterday by Senator Sinema and Tillis, a Democrat and Republican, that was supposed to be a framework for immigration reform. So that might happen in this in this Congress. There's also questions about the defense defense authorization, about debt, you know, the debt ceiling, raising the debt ceiling, so that doesn't come up again in the next Congress. This is going to be Linducks are always the busiest season of Congress. But this is going to be particularly busy. I also want to pick your brain about something that surprised us honestly, and it's President Biden's what seems to be a sudden turn against labor unions when it comes to really pushing this, uh, pushing them to not strike when it comes to the rail workers. Did it surprise you? I mean, what's the talk in Washington, D.C.? Was this a betrayal of unions by President Biden and the Democrats? I don't. I mean, I don't think Biden sees it that way. I mean, I think certainly this the union was a very and it's a very sympathetic cause in this fight with the railroad. They basically union has no paid sick days. They can't take they can't take a day off and get paid to go to the doctor. 
Um, but their strike would have been right before Christmas, which would have messed up everybody's Christmas shipments. You know, I think this was Biden realizing that the, the political hit that he would take and the inconvenience he would cause the whole country if there was a real shutdown uh, was so much greater and worth so much more to him than the hit he would take from not backing a union to the hill. So I think that union is disappointed and unions in general may be against him. But, you know, this is a this this was a decision where I think it would be really hard for anybody, imagine even President Bernie Sanders, to sign with the union in this case if it meant everybody's Christmas presents got delayed. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Can I ask about the Supreme Court yesterday hearing arguments where this web designer in Colorado said that she didn't want to be forced when she opens her business to make wedding announcements for same-sex couples? But Colorado's argument is, well, that violates our state law, which prohibits discrimination. Nation. Um, listening to, to some of the questioning and, and the line of questioning from the, the court here, the justices, supermajority for conservatives here, seem to be leaning toward protecting or siding with this Christian artist. Is that how you're reading things? What, what, is, what are you hearing about that? That's right. I mean, just kind of a weird case to explain to people in the real world, because, yes, this person hasn't even started her business yet. And she's in a lawsuit about whether when she starts her theoretical business, could theoretical gay clients come to her? And could she theoretically turn them away? Uh, but, yes, I do think this, the justices seemed likely to rule for her. The question on everybody's mind in the court yesterday was sort of how could they limit that so that they wouldn't be sort of throwing open, you know, like invalidating a lot of other anti-discrimination laws. They want to make this sort of narrow as narrow as possible. And one way they seem to be thinking about it was, was this a speech case? You know, was is she more analogous to like a newspaper publisher or, a, you know, somebody who's publishing something rather than somebody who is, uh, you know, baking a cake or performing some other sort of service? You know, I think that, that Colorado would argue that she's more like a bus company that, you know, refuses to serve people of a particular race or a particular sexual orientation. She's saying, no, I'm just a newspaper. You know, I don't want to print your content. I don't have that. You know, I don't you can't make me speak, you know, violate my right to free speech by making me say something I don't believe in. David Farenhold, New York Times investigative reporter. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for some good analysis this morning. Thank you. Seattle's Morning News. Good morning. I'm Colleen O'Brien, along with Travis Mayfield. In for Dave Ross. Uh, Chris Sullivan is here. The whole gang is here, and we're adding some fun to the mix. Mickey Gomez is here because you are just raving about this show. Uh, Netflix's new show, Wednesday. Oh my gosh. I've been talking to everyone in the office about this show. You're not alone though. I know so many people just, have you seen it? How are you watching it? Yes. Well, I have to ask you, have you seen it? No, I almost started it this weekend. So I'm so excited. Um, time. Time. Okay. <laughs> I'm still trying to finish Gilmore Girls. Oh, I don't know. yeah. I did start Gilmore Girls. But uh, anyway, so Netflix's Wednesday has surpassed Stranger Things 4 as the most watched English language series in a week. That was a mouthful. It's incredible. So what that means is that viewers watched over 341.2 million hours of Wednesday. That's incredible. Versus back in June, Netflix viewers watched about 335 million hours of Stranger Things 4. And now, I wonder, This it feels like it came out of nowhere. I had no idea it was being made. Nobody was asking for an Adam's Family reboot. Right. We have the Adam's Family movies, the, mm-hmm. the cartoon ones they just did. We have the classic one with Christina Ricci. And right. obviously, this has just taken over. And it, she looks incredible as Wednesday, by the way. Really Tell me about does. the actress. Okay, so Jenna Ortega plays Wednesday Adams um, alongside Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia. 
uh, Luis Guzman as Gomez. Perfect. I really love him. Yeah. And um, the show is just about the Adams family, and uh-huh. they really focus on Wednesday's character, which is played by Jenna, and she just knocks it out of the park. I mean, she does an amazing job. She's got the death stare, which is what everyone mm-hmm. talks about, where she puts her her chin down and she looks at you. And when you do watch the series, you're going to notice that when the camera is on Jenna, she never blinks. My goodness. Yes. She's got these beautiful big eyes, too. She like really she just, does. Because it's hard. I think my generation, probably your generation, mm-hmm. too, I think we're about the same age. They We grew up with Christina Ricci as Wednesday. Right. And I will say, I've been watching the trailers. Mm-hmm. I think she does a great job. She does do a great job, and you're going to love this. I know you're a Christina Ricci fan. Yeah. Can I play a real quick clip? Absolutely. I think you're going to love it. Listen to this. Good evening, girls. I'm Miss Thornhill. I trust Enid has given you the old Nevermore welcome. She's been smothering me with hospitality. I hope to return the favor in her sleep. Did you recognize I the did. voice? How could you not? Because that's Christina. Christina. So she's yes. part. And I love that because, again, like when I say nobody can talk, this isn't because I'm trying to pit one woman against another. I think there's room for everybody to play these roles. But the fact that she makes a cameo to pass the baton like that mm-hmm. is beautiful. I love this era of female friendships and we're there for you. Yes. Like, yeah, girl, go get it. Yes. And she doesn't just make a cameo. Like well, she's she part has, of the show. She's really part of the show. Oh. She actually plays uh, one of the teachers at Nevermore, which is the school that Wednesday is sent to for doing bad things. No spoilers. But uh, Marilyn Thornhill is played by Christina Ricci. She's got a big part. I really love that. And a lot of interviews that uh, Jenna Ortega has been on, a lot of the people doing the interview want to know well, what was it like working with Christina Ricci? Was there any animosity? Did she tell you how you should play Wednesday? I know, because they want the drama, right? But um, what Jenna Ortega said was that, no, they never, ever spoke about the character Wednesday. This is what she said in in an interview with uh, Entertainment. We just both knew not to mention her name. And it was nice. I think that she knew that it probably wouldn't benefit me in any way and and vice versa. So I love Mm. Christina Ricci's Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I love Jenna Ortega's Wednesday. Well, and I know, too, that for you, the representation, the Latina representation in this role, too, is so important. Yes, it really is. I love that there are Latina characters, uh, that there are Latino characters and Latino actors that are playing these roles. I mean, it's just really great. I mean, you've got Gomez, Adams, and then my family's like, even my kids were watching it and they're like, why is his last name his first name? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's bringing it to a whole new generation. No, it really Because I don't even think Jenna Ortega was alive when the mm-hmm. first, ad- she's only 20 years old. No, yeah, right. Do you know who played the original Wednesday? I do not. The original Wednesday from the 1960s. Her name is Lisa Loring. She's 64 years old right now. She's done some voice work and she's been married four times. That's all I know about her. But but the big thing, the big thing about about, uh, the show Wednesday on Netflix is Gwendolyn Christie. There's a big buzz about her. Gwendolyn Christie is this Amazonian, beautiful, blonde haired woman that was in Game of Thrones. And she's in Wednesday? She's in Wednesday. What character does she She play? She plays Larissa Weems. She's the headmaster of Nevermore Academy. She's been in the uh, latest Star Wars trilogy. She is also going to be in the upcoming season two of Severance. A lot of big stars. I'll say, what a star-packed show. Okay, I'm going to have to start. I'll start it this weekend. If not this week, I'll do it this weekend. It's going to be a great holiday Netflix and chill kind of movie for you. I tell you what, my family and I, we watched it in three days. Check it out. Okay, will do. Mickey, thank you. You're welcome. 
I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. You can hear us live every morning on 97.3 FM or subscribe to this podcast and you'll never miss the show.